and uh, decided to take a Sunday afternoon off and went to a Winston-Salem Red Sox game. And that's the first time I'd ever been to a minor league game. And the Carolina League only had four teams that year. So they were just about to fold. But they kept going. And then, say, in the late 1970s and 80s, things started taking off. And, you know, things changed because back in the oh, 50s and 60s, uh, it was a really blue-collar game. A lot of the people attending in Winston-Salem and in Durham were people who worked in the tobacco factories. And, and uh, lately it's become, you know, a, a wider range of people going to the games. But, you know, it's just a, it's just good family entertainment. And I got to – I went to Burlington the first year they, they started playing, and uh, it, it was really uh, – it was enjoyable because you got to see players that were at the start of their careers, and perhaps you would see a number one draft choice every now and then, somebody who was a very uh, hot prospect. And you could actually meet the players after the game, unlike you know going to the uh, larger venue. So you know it, it, it's just been I've enjoyed it a lot over the last. Uh, the last 30-some years, and it, it's really uh, a great way to spend the evening. And I'm missing it this summer, uh, and it's it's difficult, uh, too. And I've got my cat is clawing a chair that I'm sitting in. Okay, <laughs> Tom, you can appreciate that. Yeah. She wants to be on the air, too. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, we just we heard that the baseball is going to contract some of the minor leagues and especially three leagues, three so-called rookie leagues or leagues for uh, ball players just starting out in their careers. Uh, the Appalachian League or the Appy League, which has teams in the Appalachian Mountains as well as uh, Burlington and Danville, Virginia. And then there's a team up uh, in the New York area, New York Penn League, and then there's the Pioneer League out in the out in the Montana Idaho area, and uh, we're going to lose most all of those teams. Can I stop you for a second and point out something to our listeners that they may not know? They probably do, and that is that most of minor league baseball is owned and controlled. And I say those two words: owned and controlled by Major League Baseball. Yes, yes, I. I know there there are some teams that are owned. I mean, all the players come from Major League Baseball, and uh, some of the teams are owned. And in fact, the teams in the Appalachian League are, for the most part, owned by Major League teams. But the Major League teams supply them with players. Yes, yes, and, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that gets it. Yes, okay. And, and you have you have. Uh, Towns and some of the towns in the Appalachian League, uh, for example, if you ever heard of the Tri-City areas of, of Tennessee, and uh, you ever heard of uh, Bristol and Johnson City and Elizabethan and Kingsport and um, those towns, and then you've got Bluefield, West Virginia, Princeton, West Virginia, and then you've got uh, Pulaski, Virginia, and then you've got Danville and Burlington. And I especially, over the years, have developed 
let's, let's just say, a real affection for the Burlington uh, ballpark and the fans and Danville, uh, which has been an Atlanta Braves um, team since 1993, since it was formed. Now, I know you're going to end up, because I, we, we have some mutual interest uh, that you, you, you want to talk to, and I want you to talk to about your special feeling for the Burlington team, but we need to take a break. So okay. before you get started, well, let's, let's just start whenever you want to, but certainly on the other side of the break. Is that okay? That, that sounds good. Talking baseball, talking about minor league baseball, not from a journalist, not from a sports guy, not from a, uh, somebody involved in baseball, which we have those kind of folks quite often on our program, but a person that we can label as the, I don't know if he's a typical fan, but he certainly comes to it as a fan. His name is Woody Seymour, and he's been on our program a lot of times over the last 30 years. He, he got to, We got to be interested in him because he was one of our people who helped us talk about shortwave radio back when it was a, a hot thing. So we're talking baseball tonight, and something that uh, isn't there this year because of the uh, the virus and uh, may not be there after this year because of the uh the contraction of the minor leagues by some major league teams. But we'll hear all about that following this. And we go back, of course, to 1924. Not too long before we'll be 96 years old. And the whole time that that's been through, you've been able to hear baseball scores and things like that on WPTF. And one of the persons who might have listened to them over the years is our friend Woody Seymour, who has been a frequent guest on our show. And uh, in talking to him, uh, I realized that the the, uh, the plight of the baseball fan, particularly of the, the local play, leagues and the local players, uh, is really difficult this year because the major leagues are threatening to contract the leagues. And this year... Uh, there's no minor league baseball because of the, the virus situation. So I thought we'd invite Woody to come and just talk about being a fan and how he got to be one. And I think he's pretty close to telling us of developing a special relationship with the with the people that he sat around and visited with uh, when he went to see the Burlington. They're called the Royals now, I think, but that hasn't always been the case, I don't think. They started, started with the Cleveland Indians in 1986, and then, and then in 2007 they uh, affiliated with the Royals, and uh, I went to uh, back in the nineties. Uh, I went on a couple of baseball bus trips. You can take these trips and go, and in a week's time, you'll go to six or seven major league games, and you know, go around, and it's just a great way if you want to see some major league baseball. It's a great way. On a trip in nineteen ninety seven. Uh, I met a couple from Burlington and got to know them pretty well during a week-long trip. And uh, they it turned out that they were members of the Burlington Indians Boosters Club. Now, I'd gone to Burlington games, and not, not a whole lot, but you know, games since 1986. But I didn't really know them. Got to know them real well on the bus trip. And uh, we became real good friends, and I, I started going to maybe six or seven games a year in Burlington for the next ten years. And I found out, after I had known them for about almost ten years, that uh, the 
female member of the duo had gone to school with our own Tom Kearney. And Miss Ann Jones. That's right. And she, she married a James Cook, and uh, Ann passed away in 07, and James passed away around 13. But they were two fine people, and, you know, they they really got to know the players. And, I mean, some of the – there were four players that played for Burlington, and, and the Cooks really got to know them well because, I mean, they they looked out for them. They, the, the Boosters Club made sure that they – were, you know, had special occasions and had some treats and just looked out for them. But uh, Jim Tomei, who uh, joined Baseball's Hall of Fame a, a couple of years ago, uh, played in Burlington, as well as Manny Ramirez. Ooh, lots of hits. C.C. Uh, Sabatha, who's been playing. He played for the Yankees last year, I think. He's been with the Yankees for a number of years. And Bartolo Colon. Who played um, forever for everybody. That's right, and um, I, I hope I I know radio has gotten a little looser over the years, but I this next little anecdote is uh, the, the the Burlington built a new bathroom uh, a number of years ago, and those four players I mentioned each each have a special urinal stall. In other words, uh, they have a picture up on the next to the ceiling of those four well-known Burlington Indian players who made the major leagues. And it's one of the most unique things I've ever seen at the ballpark. It's kind of a commemoration of their having been there, I guess. That's right. And, of okay. course, you can have a lot of fun with it. But, uh, you know, they just uh, they won two championships of the Appy League in, in 87 and in 93. But uh, they've had a lot of good players. And, a lot of good players uh, I was able to, to see uh, playing for other teams. Uh, one phenomenon in the Appy League was Josh Hamilton. Uh, he was the number one draft choice in 1999. He was from Raleigh, and he, he went around in the Appy League that, that year, and after the games, he would stay for half hour, 45 minutes, signing autographs every single night. And he would he would do it every single night. And I, I got to see him twice. Uh, very nice. And I've got an autographed baseball by Josh Hamilton. And you can actually read his name. You know, this is back when he was writing his name in cursive, extremely neat. And in his later years, I think he doesn't, he's not so neat. But uh, uh, there are people like uh, former major leaguers who were coaches for some of the teams. I, I got to meet uh, a, a special favorite player of mine named Jack Billingham, who was, uh, I guess, the number one pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds back in 1975 and 76. And the Big Red Machine was Big that. Big Red Machine. Well, he, he was a pitching coach for the Houston Astros. Uh, affiliate in the Happy League. I got a chance to meet him. Also, Mookie Betts used to play for the Mets. I'm not Mookie Betts. Mookie Wilson played for the uh, Mets. He was the manager for the Kingsport Mets. Mookie Betts is now playing for the, uh, I think, Boston. Uh, so you you got all these wonderful 
things going on here, and you got a chance to, to meet to meet players, um, and you know that they would talk to you, and you could you know exchange greetings and all. So that that's something that I'm going to miss because uh, most minor league places that you go, you don't get a chance to do that much. Well, just let me say that I remember when Mrs. Kearney and I were dating, we went to see a Raleigh game. If I can borrow just a couple of a minute of your time, and yep. and about half of what would be the Pittsburgh Pirates starting team a couple of years later was playing for Raleigh. This was in the in the late '60s, and if we had been a little older, we could have seen Carl Yastrzemski play because he played his minor league baseball in Raleigh. He did. And there are not many better players than Carl Yastrzemski. And then it's good to see them when they're getting their. I think he was one year in the minors, maybe or something like that. I think he. I think it was around in the in the '67 or sometime like that. Because I remember when I was in high school, I remember reading in the News Observer about uh, Carl Yastrzemski, but I wasn't able to get to see him play a game at at uh, Devereux Meadow. Um, but you know, you you could see players like like this. Uh, Nolan Ryan came through the Appalachian League. Um, you know, you. It's just a great place, a great atmosphere, and it's going to be missed. Um, I think that, uh, uh, and I and I feel for these these towns that have, have, have put a lot of money into improving the facilities so the Major League Baseball would not pull the teams, and now they're going to pull the teams anyway. So we're missing it this year because of the health situation, and we will be missing it after that if the plans go through. Which, you know, maybe maybe all this will work out in some other way. Probably not, but, you know, it, it, we don't, we're going to have a tough time figuring out what baseball or, any, or anything else is going to look like once the... Well, you know the expression, hope springs eternal. Yes, but, uh, there's no reason it shouldn't. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, Billy Crystal would say that, you know, what you're hoping for on the first day of spring when you go out and look at the green, you know, and yep. the green field. Well, you know, when I, when I, I saw the, my last game in Burlington last last August, uh, they were uh, in the playoffs, and they were, they were down to a, a one-game uh, final game for the championship of the Appalachian League, and unfortunately they lost it. And little did I realize when I left the ballpark that night that I would probably never see a Burlington Royals game again because none of us could have anticipated either development at that time that uh, you know they might lose the team and that we couldn't play in 20 because of the pandemic. I mean, who would have thought that? Well, you know, just if I can wander around in your territory for a minute here as we walk up to the news, uh, one of the things that's uh, different in baseball from the other sports like professional basketball and professional football is that baseball is, to a great extent, paid for the development of its own players. Yeah. And it's uh, uh, professional basketball and professional football and, and hockey, I think, too. Uh, to some extent, relies on, uh, well, I'll back off on hockey, but the other ones certainly rely on development by by colleges uh, and universities and and as the players come through. But but, uh, uh, perhaps uh, the uh, the major league teams now are thinking about 
you know, relying on more development through through supporting uh, academic baseball. But in any event, you know, when they have, have the draft and everything, and I know that's, that's something that you may, in fact, talk about a little bit later. We're talking about baseball. The other guy over there is Woody Seymour, who's on the telephone with us tonight from Sanford. He is a baseball fan, and let's just leave it at that. You can already tell from just talking about growing attached to the Burlington team. Uh, and we're going to pause for the news, and then we'll be back. The Tom Kearney Show. Woody Seymour is our guest. We're talking about baseball and the fate of minor league baseball. But before we go back to that, we have to talk about your automobile. When servicing your car, you need to know the cycle of service. Your cycle of service begins the month that you buy your car. That cycle does not necessarily match with the normal seasonal changes. At King's Auto Service, they will schedule your service intervals based on that cycle. For those using synthetic oil and driving limited miles, you would be on another cycle and you may go months past the normal service based on your miles, and you'll need to schedule your service independently of the normal cycle. During your service, Kings will check wipers, belts, tires, and transmission fluid levels. For those of you who are currently driving a Toyota Prius or some other hybrid vehicle, the certified hybrid technicians at Kings or will be able to refurbish your high-voltage battery pack for less than the dealer would charge to replace it. This usually, the replacement, occurs at about 150,000 miles. Call Kings tomorrow to schedule a courtesy battery analysis. Kings Auto Service and Kings Correct Lube and the State Inspection Station are easy to find at 1039 Northwest Street in downtown Raleigh and at kingautomotive.net. Kings Auto Service, Raleigh's most reliable auto care since 1946, and yes, that's where Mrs. Kearney and I take our cars. Baseball, we're not getting to see much of it. In fact, Woody, I've been watching old baseball games on MLB, the, the, the baseball channel, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's been great to see some of these old games, and, um, and there's a World Series that I missed when I was in college the first year, and I got a chance to see some of that. It was the Tigers and the uh, Cardinals from 1968. Oh, oh, Mickey Lolich. Mickey Lolich and uh, uh, Bob Gibson. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, and, and, and I, I had not seen that before. You know, before, before we get away from King's Auto, they are a baseball's throw from the site of the old Devereux Meadow. Did you know right. that? Right. When I go from my house to Two kings to take my cars. I turn in the corner and look down on the hill. Uh, I think it's a. Uh, the, one time the city was parking uh, garbage trucks there. That's right. Uh, right beside uh, uh, what they used to call downtown Boulevard. They call it Capitol Boulevard now. But uh, the Devereux family had owned that area, and it, when they built a baseball field there, if you had a home run, it would land on Capitol Boulevard. Uh, yeah, don't, uh, don't you know that was a real treat to be driving along and all of a sudden the baseball <laughs> bounces in front of you on the road. It was a little reminiscent of the Winston-Salem Stadium. You know, it's right off of I-40. You can just about see into the place from, That's from, right. from I-40. But I, I went to a couple of games there, and that was when uh, Raleigh was a home team. When I went, it was home team of the Pirates earlier in around 1960 when Yastrzemski had been here. They were a farm team of the Red Sox, and then Somewhere along in there, they they did uh, well. They they did away with their team, and they Raleigh and Durham had a joint team in the, in the early 
1970s because I know my little brother wanted to come up and see a baseball game, and so I took him to see the Raleigh Durham something, the Pirates or something like that. But uh, that At was one time I think they were known as the Triangles. That's how you know you did, now that you mentioned that sounds right. You know your minor league baseball. The bull, the Bulls gave away a cap several years ago. That was a former facsimile of the Raleigh Durham cap, and I'd never seen it before. It's very interesting. Uh, well, but, uh, we were talking. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to get too far away, but I, I still like to, you know, touch with the with the local team. Uh, but Raleigh did not have a team like that. Some some towns that had minor league baseball, even when it went under, so to speak, kept their teams, and others let their teams go. My hometown of Goldsboro let their team go, but Kempston, twenty five miles away, as you know, Woody kept their team and uh, yep. uh, and played on for a while, and uh, and teams. Uh, towns like Wilson, have kept, while they don't play, have a team there anymore, have kept up interest in baseball. And I'm sure there are a lot of Wilson County people at the at the Mudcats games. Well, they have the uh, baseball North Carolina Baseball Hall of Fame, which is well worth the trip. At, at the Tom Stadium, yeah. You know, it's interesting. That's what they used to be called. It's interesting uh, to see the pictures of all the uh, people from North Carolina that played in the major leagues. Uh, it's just really... A great place to go, a nice old ballpark, uh, Fleming Stadium. And, uh, you know, we've almost almost forgotten that the Mudcats played the Fleming Stadium before uh, Five County Stadium was completed. But anyway, uh, we were talking before the break about uh, the Burlington uh, baseball team. And they, they always, at least in the last... Uh, 20 years, 25 years, have had a, a really close connection with, with Danville. And, and a really interesting little, uh, little nugget of information was, was that when you go to a ball game in Burlington today, the grandstand was purchased from Danville around 1958. And the city of Burlington paid $5,000 for it. And they transported it from Danville down to Burlington, and that's Danville's old grandstand. And I, I think that's an amazing story. <laughs> and now you've got to tell me, uh, inquiring minds want to know, where does Danville play? Did they build a new stadium? Uh, they actually built a new stadium. Um, they uh, it's, it's called Dan Daniel Park, named for a former, I think, of. United States Senator from Virginia, but it's right, it's located kind of on a hill overlooking the Dan River, and it's just off of Highway 29, the four-lane road, it's just right, it's just right there. It's a, it's a, and almost everything in Danville is just off of Highway 29. <laughs> well, you know, I know, yeah. but, but, you know, they, they, um, they got the team, the Braves moved their team from Pulaski, Virginia, to uh, Danville, in 1993, and uh, in fact, I'm I'm drinking my soft drink tonight from a 25th anniversary cup from the Danville Braves, 1993 to 2018. So they celebrated their 25th anniversary back in 18. Um, and I, I I've grown to really enjoy going to ball games in Danville too because they are a Braves affiliate. And if you, if you like the Braves, that's that's the place to go because it's almost like 
as far as being immersed into Braves lore, it's not quite the same as being at, in Atlanta in their stadium, but it's not that far because they've got posters of all the players that have played in Danville over the years, um, and they really keep up with these players. And there's some pretty good players that have played there, like Andrew Jones and Craig Kimbrell and uh, Chris Medlin, Kevin Millwood, Angleton Simmons. Uh, I saw him hit the longest home run that I've ever seen anybody hit in Burlington. I mean, it, it, that thing was a, it was a long home run. Um, and, you know, there's, there's other, other players. Uh, Austin Riley, who is one of the new starters for the Braves, I got to see him, actually got to meet him back in 2015 in Danville after the game. And a nice young man. Uh, and there's something else that Danville and Burlington share. And some of their promotions are, are really interesting. Uh, there was a, there's a gentleman named David Browning who I think lives in Danville. Um, he plays what they call the Mayberry Deputy. It's somebody impersonating Barney Fife. I think and, he used to live in Wake Forest or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, he's, we've had him down in Sanford for uh, uh, a small business expo. We've had him down there before, but he, uh, he dresses up like Barney Fife. He talks like Barney Fife, and if you ever seen him work a game, uh, one night there was a, a guy who had too much, uh, let's, let's say he had too much uh, uh, beer to drink that night and was really being kind of noisy. And the Mayberry deputy was working there that night, and he, you know, he was giving him a hard time. And he said, Otis, how did you get out of jail? And we got to take you back there. And that shut the guy up, and everybody in the ballpark had a good laugh. Um, but that's that's the kind of fun that you that you'll have there, and uh, it, it's going to be missed. Uh, well, now, I'm going to stop you because I want to do a little promo. We'll take a break, and we'll come back and and uh, have the last quarter of the program, if that's all right. Uh, and you good. you've just made me think of something because just today I called up Jim Clark, who is the presiding goober of the. Uh, Andy Griffith Show Rerun Watchers Club, that is the, the largest fan club for the Andy Griffith Show. And, of course, David Browning was in imitation of Barney Fife. Uh, you just mentioned that's what made me think of it. Well, Jim Clark is going to be on with us next Monday night. Uh, he usually comes by about once or twice a year to talk about the fortunes of the Andy Griffith Show, and we're going to talk about, well, is Mayberry Day going to happen in September, like a lot of other things that are, are in abeyance right now. But we are in abeyance also with Woody Seymour talking about minor league baseball on WPTF. Monday through Friday, sometimes we can, but we'll be live in real-time radio, and we hope you will join us when you can. Tomorrow night is going to be a nostalgia night. Remember when, and we'll see what we're remembering. Thursday night, uh, Nick Petro of the National Weather Service will be here. We can ask him about all this hot weather and also the uh, hurricane situation is beginning to gin up a little in the Gulf of Mexico, so we can talk about that, too. That's on Thursday night. Tonight we're talking minor league baseball and the fact that uh, some of it is going away. Some of it is going away from our local situation, and one of the fans is 
Well, he's not as happy as he might be. His name is Woody Seymour, and he's an old friend of ours. He's been a semi-frequent guest on the show over the years. Woody, we're in the yeah, we're, we're in the downhill slide now. But what's on your mind? Well, you know, it's it's like uh, you talk about me not being very happy. Well, it's, it's one thing to lose a whole season to the pandemic, but to realize that next year there may not be any Appalachian League baseball, other than perhaps Pulaski, which may the Yankees own them, and uh, they may uh, get into another league because the Yankees are going to put them in there. But uh, we're going to lose Burlington, we're going to lose Danville, and a lot, of, a lot of other teams. Elizabethan, have you ever been to Elizabethan, Tennessee before? No, I haven't, but is it one of the Tri-Cities? I love to it's hear one you pronounce it like that. It's, it's actually it's actually the fourth of the Tri-Cities, I think. <laughs> And and they they actually have a, a team that's been a Minnesota Twins affiliate for many many years. Joe Maurer played his rookie league there, you know, the All Star catcher. Uh, but it is an amazing place. I've actually been to a game at that that ballpark. Well, I'm going to ask you: Do you go wandering off to uh, Johnson City or or Elizabethan or Pulaski, for instance, very often? Well, well, you know, good places to go. Johnson City is. Uh, all St. Louis Cardinals, as much as uh, as much as uh, uh, Danville's, all Atlanta Braves. But there's a raging river right next to the ballpark. I mean, it's, it's not just a river; it's a raging river. It's one that's got some speed to it. And uh, I, I've never been to a ball game. You know, you go to Pittsburgh and you got those got the rivers right at the ballpark, but they're not raging like the one in Elizabethan. Uh, I've never really seen anything like that before. Uh, so you you got all kinds of wonderful things going to baseball in these small towns, and I, I really hated for the I hated for the small towns. You know, Bristol is is a, a a a very unusual city because the the main street's called State Street, and one side you're in Virginia, the other side you're in Tennessee. And they have a minor league team that has been an affiliate the last few years. They were an affiliate with the Pittsburgh Pirates, Tom. Uh, and they just got through spending a bunch of money to uh, fix up their old ballpark, which really needed it. And now they're not going to have a team. So, you know, that's just a lot of sad stories. And, uh, you know, maybe something will happen, but... Uh, uh, we got to fight one battle at a time. We got to get baseball back first, and then maybe we can get the minor leagues back the way we like them. Um, you know. Anyway, uh, so I appreciate you letting me get that get all that off my chest. Well, I, I, I you know, I started out by saying that you were a little disappointed, and I think the last time I introduced you, I had you a little bit angry, and I think you are a little bit angry, and, and, and fans are too, because uh, for the reasons that you've described, baseball has been rebuilding itself. You know, we talked about how it sort of went into the dumps back in the 70s, and then uh, uh, it, it caught on again, and people like Miles Wolf came to Durham and got the got the Bulls back on the right track, and uh, we got the, the team at... Uh, at, uh, in eastern, uh, the east of Raleigh, uh, the Carolina Mudcats and so on, and and obviously the people in Burlington 
made their fans happy or there wouldn't be so many of you there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, well, we'll see. You know, you and I, you and I have lived enough years. We've seen a lot of different things. And, uh, well, I'm, what I'm hoping, and I asked you about this before, uh, and one can't ever tell what the major league people are going to do, but it, it might be a case where there, there, there are those leagues that uh, exist in, around the country, well, the independent leagues, where the, the players are owned locally or are contracted with the local authority and, mm-hmm. and are not the property of major league teams. And, uh, uh, you know, sometimes a player will be uh, on a major league team and somebody in the announcer will tell you that he started out in, a, in an independent league and so on. And there there are more of these uh, uh, kind of rookie leagues uh the, the Coastal Plain League in Eastern North Carolina, is it going to continue to exist? Yeah, that's that's not owned by uh, Major League Baseball. That well, is. Uh, well, but maybe the rest of the world will become more like that. And, uh, and and that may be what happens, and and I found that to be great. Holly Springs has a has a team in that league. Uh, they weren't able to play this year, but uh, they're like 15 teams, and uh, they've really become uh, extremely popular place for people to go is it's, uh, collegiate players are playing, you know, during the summers while they're in college, and they're using a wooden bat for the first time in a long time because they use uh, uh, metal bats in, in college, and so uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I, I, I went to a Coastal Plains League game about 15 years ago and saw Russell Wilson playing baseball. The and guy so, who's uh, the quarterback for the Seattle. Uh, yeah, he, he played for State, and, and now he's playing for Seattle. But he was playing baseball in, in the uh, Coastal Plains League about 15 summers ago. We're going to stop you right here. I'm glad you could come and be with us tonight and, and issue a, a, a news release about the, the fate of the minor leagues. Uh, we, I hope we can have you back soon. I'm, I'm going to talk to you about maybe making your tour around to all the counties in the state again, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Woody Seymour has been our guest tonight. We've been talking about minor league baseball. Tomorrow night is going to be looking for things nostalgic.